0: I the human podcast.
1: Welcome to this episode of Scientists the Human Podcast. I'm your host Simranjeet Singh, or you can call me Sim. Dr. Davis, you can call me Sim, and I'm here with Dr. Ernest Davis, who is a professor of computer science at New York University. Thank you for being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Sure. And, sir, you work on something that I've thought about a lot. Uh, of course, I haven't. I don't have the tools to answer answer the problem. Answer the question, but I, I feel like you might so you work on uh, finding ways to represent common sense knowledge yes in computer languages so r- coding common sense language so that a computer program can efficiently and effectively use it for something. Is, is that right. accurate? That's right. Right and so I guess the first thing I want to ask you is you know if, if in any other context if you were to ask somebody you know how would you define common sense it might be a bit of a silly question, but I feel like if you're going to systematically code common sense for a computer to use, it's important to define it, yes? So how would you define common sense knowledge?
0: Well, common sense knowledge in the sense that uh, I work on it is what we all know, what you know, anyone past the age of say seven knows about the world. So this is basic facts about time, about space, about the common physical objects that you run into, about people and about how people interact. Um, And it's it's this kind of background knowledge which computers don't have at all and which turns out to be a very, one of the hardest aspects of artificial intelligence to get computers to understand.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. The way I think about it is, is, let's say you you write a computer program, some software that has some strong mathematical capabilities, and it can, you know, find let's say uh, correlations between different, you know, seemingly, and it might even be unrelated phenomena, right? It could be, you know, the average height of people in a city is related with, I don't know, uh, how quickly winter comes. You know, something random. Sure. But if, if, if a computer isn't programmed with this common sense, it can't necessarily tell if there's value to, to that, right? And it's, it's kind of... So that's where this comes in. That's what makes it important.
0: Well, it comes in all over the place. That's certainly one uh, one application is, is weeding out um, uh, meaningless... Correlations from possibly real correlations, but uh, it's it enters into uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of tasks. So, for instance, um, uh, for instance, into any kind of natural language. Uh, Na- natural language test. So you think about Google Translate and Google Translate often does a good job and it often puts out stuff which is uh, simply gibberish. And uh, the reason that it puts out stuff that's gibberish is that it has no idea what the language actually means mm-hmm. and how it relates to the world. Uh, and, um, and the question of Meaning and common sense knowledge are very closely intertwined because you can't really understand what is implicit in in time information and language, a lot of say, unless you have a notion of time. You can't understand what's implicit in spatial information mm-hmm. unless you have a notion of space. So that's that's one application. Um, it c- will come up when we want the household robot. When we have a household robot, right. we want it to do, let us say, it's vacuuming and, and a cat runs across in its path. <laughs> you don't want it to vacuum up the cat, to dust the cat, to mm-hmm. put the cat away on a shelf. But you just let, you know. So it needs some right. uh, degree of common sense. Um, or if you're watching a movie, so let's take an example. You're watching The Godfather and you come to the scene where there's a horse's the horse's head is in Jack Waltz's bed, famously. So you uh, you don't want your if you ha- if if you want a program that understands that scene, then it shouldn't say, hmm, "Well, a horse's head. That's a curious thing to see in a bed," and and leave it at that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you have to yeah. understand this whole situation, where Hogan is, is, is threatening Waltz by mm-hmm. leaving the. Uh, by leaving the head in, his, in the bed
1: when that's a great example <laughs> <laughs> so when you, you, you brought up uh, the notion of and I guess it's, it's kind of pervasive in, the, in this issue of being able to we are able to using our common sense knowledge bring meaning to, to uh, whatever we're looking at how, how might you code for meaning how, how, is that a manageable task
0: uh, well, I it's, think it's, it's, it's a difficult task. Um, s- presumably, um, I mean, presumably you have some language that, at least the, the, the direction that I've been working in, is you have some language in which you can express facts about the world. Mm-hmm. And then you and when you say language, you mean computer language? Computer language, right. yes, okay. computer language. Mm-hmm. And then you can... You can translate, or you can associate the expressions of natural language to this underlying uh, representation, which is more systematic. Uh, and then, ultimately, in a in a you know uh, an autonomous robot, uh, your knowledge about the world has to connect to first of all the uh, sensory systems, vision, and so on, and second of all, to the to the manipulator, it has to do things, it has to carry out physical actions that are mm-hmm. sensible according to its understanding of the world.
1: Okay. One of your uh, areas of research is, I guess, developing an ontology of matter mm-hmm. for, for computer programs. That's Could you right. describe what that is?
0: Um... Yes, the question is... not <laughs> <sounds> so sure. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's actually not a question I'm asked very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> really?
1: Yes. I, I, I figured that would be on the top of somebody's list if they were to take a look at what you do.
0: Uh, well, um, mostly my visitors haven't taken a look at what I do. <laughs> 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 Less carefully uh-huh. than you have. Um, so the kind of problem that I've been working... in terms of that is you take let's say a simple chemistry experiment from a high school lab uh, and you want to understand how it works. So let's say you um, you have a substance in a test tube and you heat it and it decomposes and it emits a gas. Okay so uh, you have to understand first of all the nature of chemical decomposition, what the nature of chemicals are, and you have to understand that the, the container will hold on to the residue, but it will allow the gas to escape, and so on. So one needs a representation of, uh, of what kinds of matter there are and how they interact. Now of course there are all kinds of uh, physics engines out there which do exactly this kind of reasoning
1: mm-hmm. um, it's, Sorry to interrupt you but a, a physics physics engine, engine is the kind a, of thing like they have code. in a video game right yeah. if you if
0: you if you if you if you play a video game and things fly around and fall and so on this is all powered by a program which is called a physics engine right. okay. uh, and what it does is it predicts how things will behave more or less, and sometimes the physics of a video game is a little different from the physics of the real world, of course. But it has some approximation. Mm -hmm. Um, And both in video games and for scientific computing, uh, there are very powerful programs which will do this kind of prediction. Um, But what people are doing is different in a number of respects and uh, of course what in, in many respects what computers can do is, is is way more powerful than people can possibly think through because they you know, they have all the equations and theories built in and they can do the computations very quickly but people can do things which we don't yet know how to get computers to do for instance they can deal with uh, partial information of all kinds so um, if I take a cup of coffee and I turn it upside down, it's an open cup of coffee, I can predict that there will be a puddle of coffee on the floor. Now, one can simulate that. One can run this through a physics engine, but in order to, for the physics engine to run, it has to have the exact shape of the coffee, the exact physical characteristics of the coffee, and so on. And people can, can make this kind of inference without that. All they need to know is it's more or less cup-shaped, so they pre- predict that the coffee will stay inside when it's right set up, and it has an opening on top, so if you turn it upside down, the coffee will pour out. Right. Um, so getting a system that can do that kind of reasoning uh, mm-hmm. turns out to be substantially different than getting a, uh, a system that can predict using exact information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the first problems that comes up is is how do we want to reason about matter, and that's where the, ontolo- the ontological question
1: comes in. Got it. And so where do you, in terms of... So let's say with that example you gave with a the, with the cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So like you said, we can... Although, f- you, you said that we, we, it, the problem is uh, we're able to work with partial information or, or incomplete information, and a computer program is less likely to succeed at, at working with that, as that's of right, right now. That's right, that's right. So, but as far as that cup of coffee goes, we, we have the complete information, don't we? Or, or is that just no, a bad example? No, or, no. no. It's, it's, uh, if, I, if I
0: tell you, right, mm. I'm going to take a cup of coffee and I'm going to turn it upside down, you have no information about how big the cup of coffee is, what the shape of the cup ah, of coffee okay. is, right?
1: Okay, okay. So, so uh,
0: even c- if you've seen the cup of coffee, even mm-hmm. if you've seen it, you've you know, if I hold it up, you may not see the top of it. Uh, you're I only see. seeing one side I of it, see. See. and so on. Uh, so uh, you're always
1: dealing with partial information. So when we have. Um, well, we have computers like uh, Watson, IBM's computer Watson mm-hmm. that that plays uh, Jeopardy, Jeopardy, yeah, is it is it not working with any incomplete information? It just had it just in, it just the input is a question and uh, the output Watson, or actually Watson an answer. Is is essentially,
0: uh, this is not quite fair, but essentially, mm. uh, it's a highly it's it's doing in a highly tuned way the same thing that Google Search is doing. Namely, it's taking phrases in the question Mm -hmm. and it's matching it to phrases in the text that it's looking at. Wikipedia, other other online texts, stuff on the web. Uh, And it has a whole collection of rules uh, Mm -hmm. that are, many of them very specific to Jeopardy, uh, which allow it to you know, turn a question into, match the form of the question with the form of an answer, make, you know, plausible guesses and so on. Mm-hmm. But it's at no, in, in no degree dealing with any understanding of the text or of the question. Right, okay. It's, it's doing phrase matching. Go and ahead. the same is true of Siri in, in the iPhones. Okay. okay.
1: So, so that that's the difference there between being able to encode meaning and just being able to match characters. That's right. right. Okay, I see. And so, can we get back to that? that the example you gave of uh, the high school experiment. Sure. So there, you, you were saying that there's uh, a reaction occurs, a decomposition reaction occurs, and mm-hmm. uh, the the result is that uh, a gas is released. Mm-hmm. And the container uh, you were talking about, um, or I think actually this is this was on your page. So it was something very specific, uh, like. The container that the gas releases into must n- not be open; must be closed, otherwise the gas would escape. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So it, it's so it's uh, just a very specific issue of the that the computer program, in order to analyze this experiment, must be able to, I get well, I guess realize might not be the right term to use, but uh, predict that the, the container must be closed. Uh, in order to catch the gas? Am I way off here? Or no, no, i no, no. of... quite
0: right. Okay. okay. That's right.
1: So that is, to, to me, when I read that, I, I just thought that is incredibly specific. So like we're saying, with uh, the IBM's Watson, it's not able to abstract from its... It's uh, it, it's made to play Jeopardy, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's not able to abstract away from that and use its computing power for other tasks. Mm-hmm. You would have to have specificity in the, in the new... Code and the new list of things that this program is uh, able to do. So, if you were able to make a, a program, that, I, I mean, I, I guess the question is how, sp- how. You just have to get super specific in order to have a program who would be able who would be able to make that prediction that the, that the the container has would have to have a top in order to prevent the gas from escaping.
0: Uh. Well, you're you're hitting on. Um uh, one of the hardest problems you have you have you have hit on one of the hardest problems in the field, mm-hmm. uh, and one to which we really don't have a good solution. Now, in the case of the container, uh, the case of the container is not so bad, I think, because the idea of a closed container turns out to be an extremely important one and a quite general one. And so the idea, the the, the 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 statement that, you know, something inside a closed container can only get outside by somehow penetrating through the walls, mm-hmm. is a rule which is general enough that we we certainly be willing to encode it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 not an over specific rule. Uh, but let me give you a harder. Let me give you a problem which which I have no clue how to solve. Okay. Um, okay. I have a carrot and I have a pin. Now I'm going to stick the pin into the carrot and I'm going to pull it out. Okay. There's a hole in the carrot now, right, to the depth that I stuck in the pin. Okay, now suppose you want to make that prediction and then um, how do you do it? Well, clearly it's not a rule about pins and carrots, because that would be a ridiculous rule. Are we predicting the depth, of, or what are we predicting? We're predicting whatever we can predict. We okay. can. We'll, 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 I mean, we'll predict that, you know, the, the, the hole is left to more or less the same maximum penetration of the pin. Okay. okay. Um, I'm predicting that there's a hole altogether, that there might be a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, so the question is, it's, it's, what you're drawing on is not knowledge about pins and carrots. You're no, no, knowledge drawing on knowledge about generally deforming things mm-hmm. and the deformation remaining in place after the initial disturbance is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know... If, you're, if you phrase the rule too narrowly, then you have to have an awful lot of rules. Mm-hmm. And if you phrase it too broadly, then it becomes very difficult to apply it to any particular case. I see. Okay. So finding the sweet point at yeah. which we can do both
1: sweet of those spot. things yeah.
0: is, is very tricky. Uh, okay.
1: All right. So, <laughs> and that, you said, is one of the most...
0: That is a really hard problem. We haven't problem. even really begun to address
1: that one. Mm. Where might you start? Where might we start with that would you Would you start with a specific set of rules and work on making them slightly broader and see how it goes? Or start with a broad set of rules and maybe make them more specific and see how it goes?
0: Well, what I've been working on, you know, see, concretely, uh, I've been working on two things concretely. One is uh, one is this on matter ontology thing, uh, matter ontology study, um, and uh, there we have a combination of very broad rules. You know, just describing you know matter moves continuously. That i say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite specific ones, and of always you, you your, your inclination is always to make everything as general as you can while still getting the inference. Um, and you know, I can't say that we we've hit uh, as general formulation as we would like for all of that. But if you know, if you if you um, what you do, more or less, is 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 you start out with a collection of examples, uh, and you want that you have in mind. Uh, you want to be able to support all of them, if you're lucky, uh, and you begin. Uh, you begin with a fairly narrow, with a fairly, fairly specific rules, and then you you generalize. Mm-hmm. And the other area I've been studying is, is reasoning about containers in general, so putting things into containers, taking things out of containers, carrying things in containers, and so on. Uh, and again, um, uh, I started with with quite specific. Uh, quite specific situations, you assume that all the objects, let us say, are, are rigid solid objects, which makes life a lot easier, uh, and then try to generalize it to cases where the contents are can be fluids, let's say, where the uh, container itself can be flexible, like a paper bag. Um, so uh, someone moves in
1: that direction. And. Hmm. All right, I guess that makes sense. It's, I mean, it's still, I, we're, we're having this conversation, and I might be speaking as if I know what I'm talking about, but I have a very surface level <laughs> understanding of, of, of computing in general. Well, well you've hit great questions so <laughs> far. <right? laughs> well, thank you. But, uh, all right, so let's talk, let's maybe touch on, uh, you mentioned having robots. In the home mm-hmm. to maybe do clean, so sure uh, commercial commercialized you know personal robots right. right. You probably get asked this question a lot. How far are we from having those? How many um, years? I, I, I
0: don't think I've ever been asked that question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that particular question. <laughs> I mean, the, the the question that people ask is how far are we from general artificial intelligence? Right. Um, which is which is a quite different question. Mm-hmm. Um, that question next. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I don't expect to see it in my lifetime, um, and I'm six, I'm almost sixty. Okay, uh, <laughs> so I, I think the next uh, giving an optimistic view of my lifetime. I think I I, I don't expect to see it in thirty years. Okay. Um, now, robots in the home. Of course, uh, the thing is that they can. You can have a useful robot in the home with a lot less than general artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um. As long as it's you know designed safely and so on. So so what there is at the moment and has been for at least ten years, mm-hmm. uh, is the Roomba, which goes around and vacuos. that's exactly
1: what I was thinking. Of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and there's nothing much else yet. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know there 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 could well be useful things that are available to move around the uh, the house within you know then within, uh, within 10 or 15 years and I, 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 uh, there's no particular reason why not it's a question of what is the what is what would it be useful for it what would be what can it usefully do which is you know, Um, which is well defined and limited and really worth doing. I mean, one thing that will, which is, you know, very much coming uh, and will probably be here to a substantial extent in ten years is the
1: self-driving car. Mm -hmm. Those you mean commercially available? So, because commercially those available, are kind of already around. Those right? are those are around. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. But 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 they will be. Yeah. You know, they will be common. They will be. Common they could course. well be common within ten
1: years. Got it. I L- wanted within te- twenty years and could be well be illegal to drive your own car. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if they're safer. And so far they have been shown they're, to be. Safer, they're almost right? certainly safer. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, humans are idiots in a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of things that a computer can do better than than a human. I guess. Uh, avoid other vehicles Avoiding other vehicles and, yeah. is,
0: is easy particularly mm-hmm. since you know you can if they're all manufactured the same way they can communicate with one another
1: right. yeah. I wanted to ask you about Moore's law and mm-hmm. first if you can briefly explain what Moore's law is and second if you can talk a little bit about if you see it continuing in its in the trajectory that it's had over the past 50 years
0: all right. Well, this is this is outside my expertise. Uh, Moore's law, if I remember correctly, is that the speed of computers doubles every eighteen months. Uh, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's some rule of that form, and I think something those are the like numbers. That. Yeah. Uh, and it's been true. It's had this amazing run of, of being quite accurate over what fifty years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been the that has been the constant speed up of Moore's law. Um, now, you see, in terms of f- single processor machines, at this point we're running into um, you know physical limitations. You can't make a resistor right. which is has is smaller than an atom. They have made right. a resistor, uh, sorry, not a resistor, a uh, a transistor, transistor which is yeah. uh, which is which is an atom. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, as it was reported a year, year or two ago. Which um, atom? Which element? Do you, do you um, I can get, I can get you the link. I don't, I don't remember offhand. I would end. love to get that link. Okay. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, and um, and so on, and 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 the speed of light enters into it because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the. the the, the, the speed of light is one foot per nanosecond, so it takes a nanosecond for for any information to get from this end of your laptop to the other end of your laptop.
1: Um, it's too long. So, it's too long. <laughs> too long. So. We need to speed that up. Yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> so so you said we're pretty much so, at the physical the, limitation, or well, we're, hit, we're, we're about in, in to terms of single
0: pro- processors. So single processor.
1: so, okay. so
0: so the thing to do, which Course has been going on for again multiple processors, uh, yeah. ten years uh, in terms of just you know laptops and mm-hmm. household stands, and much longer in terms of powerful machines. Uh, is is multiple processors, so, you know, dual core and multi core and so on.
1: So, so is that really what uh, an IBM's Watson is? It's just a ton of processors put together, well, along with some some some. Computer like codes, of course. To, to well, it's mostly technology. at least from my standpoint. as a uh-huh. software, not 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 a, not a hardware person. <laughs> it's mostly the software. I Sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> <laughs> right, but but without without the, I don't even know how many processors it might have or what the, it was a powerful machine. Yeah. Right, but without so that's what I'm saying. So without that hardware, would it necessarily be able to run the software as well as as well as
0: Presumably not. I mean, I I don't know much about it, but Mm. I know it was a specially designed, very powerful machine that Mm. did uh, did, uh, did, uh, did, the Jeopardy competition. Mm -hmm. And also they had to, because of the the way they had set up the rules, they had to download the entire internet onto that machine. It was not allowed to consult Ah, with the internet during the process.
1: And how many many bytes of data might that have been... (laughs)
0: I don't know. You what know, <laughs> well, ter- I know, I know terabytes. Many, many I don't even terab- know what, petabytes even, is after petabytes.
1: terabytes. Yeah. Okay. Petabyte. petabytes. Yeah, yeah I have, For a second, I forgot what came after terabytes. But, so, petabytes. It's a lot of bytes. Uh, <laughs> so, bytes. Okay. I know. Why we're kind of jumping around all over the place, but where we were stumbling onto interesting things, at least things that I found interesting. So, a byte is uh, it's a unit of Information. Yeah, it's eight In, bits. So it's eight bits. Eight bits. And bits are. Bit is 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 the atomic unit of information. It's either one or zero. Okay, so th- that's the the binary. The binary. The binary. Binary, okay.
0: binary. digit is.
1: So bit. a bit is either zero or one. That's right. And eight bits make up a byte. That's right. And then and so then the megabyte, kilobyte, and all that stuff you can kind of extrapolate from there that's with, right. uh, with this uh, prefix. Mhm. Okay. I see. And so is it, uh, is it a physical, is a bit a physical quantity or is...
0: No, a, it's... Uh, like is, it's, you, is it it's, measured it's, in it's,
1: electron? Is, is, you know, anything like that?
0: No, 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 no. Okay. It, 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 it has a physical manifestation. It, it, okay. it ha- can have any of a number of physical manifestations. I can use this book as a bit. I can say that, you know, uh, right side up is one and upside down is zero. I you okay. can you okay. can you can implement a bit in any physical way. Okay. Uh, the only limitation is uh, is the second law of thermodynamics. Okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> which that, unfortunately uh, escapes my mind, I'm very embarrassed. But uh,
0: that uh, there's, a, there's a there's a minimal amount of entropy that has to be associated with okay. a bit
1: got it all right and uh, now to jump topics backwards so again mm-hmm. another jump when we're talking about encoding um, common sense knowledge into a computer program or we're talking about creating a program that has the that has the the capacity to not only accomplish a very narrow set of tasks but able it it's able to abstract a little bit generalized, mm-hmm. a little bit. Where does I guess mapping the human brain come into this? Um,
0: well, we don't know. Um, is the is the short answer. Um, is, the relations between um, AI work and neuroscience are mostly very remote at this point uh, the the only the, the one area where there's some parallelism uh, is in computer vision mm-hmm. so the the um, the AI systems, some of the AI systems that have been developed in computer vision are somewhat analogous to the way that the eye and the brain do vision. Um, but we don't, we know almost nothing about how the brain does higher level reasoning in any kind of detail. We know, you know, we know that it's vaguely associated with regions in the brain. I mean, right. the language the language facility is connected to particular regions though not you know as strongly as uh, as decisively as, as one would wish mm-hmm. uh, for from the purposes of understanding um, and other and, and and there are other connections of that kind but we don't know at the neuronal level at all how language understanding works right. so so um, so i mean there are there are those who, would, who will tell you that what we the way to make progress in artificial intelligence is um is just to simulate the brain and then the ai system will work in the same way that the brain will work they may be right it's not uh it's not the direction that i'm pursuing
1: yeah it's not and i mean, that's kind of why i brought it up to to see what what thoughts you may have about it because you're approaching it purely from, I guess, the computational route without mm-hmm. using any influence from biology. That's right. right. Okay. And another question I have to ask you sure. is on the potential dangers of AI. I know you said that we're not particularly close to developing anything, um, you know. Like I guess a personal home robot with AI, but let's say we get there, and I'm sure I'm, I'm maybe you haven't, maybe you have, but uh, have you heard of uh, Elon Musk's uh, sure. statements he's sure, made sure, several sure. times sure, you know, about sure. the dangers of AI? Sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Um, I don't think those are what we most have to worry about. I don't. Uh, I you know the 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 sort of Terminator. Uh, slash Ex Machina idea of a conscious robot, which is going to be, um, you know, malevolent and super powerful, uh, is I think so far off that um, that it's not uh, you know it's not at all a serious concern at this point. And uh, I, th- I think we can stop it if we have any intelligence at all. <laughs> we, we can, it's, it's not too difficult to avoid building machines that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are all kinds of other much more short-term dangers associated with uh, AI. And with computer technology generally, one is uh, one is the prospect of you know that a lot of jobs will be automated out of existence. Right. Uh, that's that could happen. I mean, that's that's a serious concern, and 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 one has to figure out how to deal with that. Um, another concern is uh, you know the surveillance state. Uh, Everybody is going to be watched all the time, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, all of the data will be fed into data analysis programs which are making large decisions about our lives based on that. Um, Those, those, those I think, are much more serious
1: concerns. Mm -hmm. And certainly much more short-term concerns. Much more short-term, yeah. And, I mean, I guess...
0: And then they, they, there's also the, there's also just the danger of sort of stupid level hacking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the whole society at this point is built up around around the internet to a very large extent, mm-hmm. uh, and it's quite fragile. Uh, and uh, you know, it doesn't. There could easily be. You know, uh, the, the, the 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 Internet worm, which took down the entire Internet in 1986, I think, mm. uh, was a small and not particularly, you know, only moderately clever piece of code. Um, that kind of thing could easily happen. You know, there are all kinds of malevolent people who are trying to make it happen. <laughs> and, mm. uh, uh, or it could happen accidentally, as it more or less did in 1986. So... Mm.
1: So that's oh, you feel. So that really that's that's
0: weird. also a worry. I mean, if you know, if if I can imagine a situation where, uh, you know, all the computers got infected to the point and and, and, and to the point and in a way that it would be almost impossible to get them started again, so we would be back in 1950, except that in 1950, you know, the cars didn't have embedded computers, so they ran and, right, right. <laughs> and so on.
1: And you're saying that you could see that happen? I
0: could, I can imagine that happen, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, that's where the field of cybersecurity comes in, yeah, right? very much. Okay, so I guess we'd be glad we have those guys if that ever mm-hmm. happens. So you mentioned that it would be quite easy to, if you were building an artificial intelligence, to kind of code for, you know, to prevent it from becoming malevolent yeah it? but if you were to create an artificial intelligence that has the capacity to learn new things mm-hmm. your would the code that you have ha, would you be able to prevent I mean the whole goal of, the, of that AI would be to learn new things you can't really install a code that filters the new things it learns do you see what I'm saying you can. You can. You can. Okay. Why, why not? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> so you can. So you can. I guess have a bit of a bottleneck to prevent. I guess. You can.
0: Yes. You can put it. You can put in all kinds of safety guards. I mean, okay. our advantage. Uh, have, have, uh, as as Humphrey Bogart says in The Big Sleep, our advantage is that we got here first, <laughs> and <laughs> okay. we're building them, and mm-hmm. therefore we can build them the way we see fit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there are all kinds of safes. You know, you, you can you can you can embed a small grenade in the body of every robot you build, as it, uh, with, a, with a, you know, which we know how to detonate, and it can't find out how to detonate. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like that's the plot of uh, some, if not all, <laughs> movies with robots. Yeah, and it's then, kind of an
0: awful lot of them. And, and then uh, the, other, the other one the was, was robots Spiel, always Spiel,
1: Spiel, Spielberg's AI is the exception. Uh, <laughs> robots seem to always kind of figure out how to work around. They do. <laughs> <laughs> and, at least in the stories, right? Uh
0: how? Did, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's 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 not a good idea for mad geniuses to go off on their own private you know island and mm-hmm. <laughs> do this themselves. Perhaps.
1: Are you a mad genius? I am <laughs> certainly <laughs> not a genius, and hopefully not mad. <laughs> okay. How did you end up in this field as a computer scientist, studying what you study?
0: Uh, I've been doing this I've been doing this um, now since uh, for 35 years. Um, so I was a math major in, in college and then I w- worked as a computer programmer for a couple of years and it seemed to me at the time that this this particular problem of common sense reasoning was in fact the most... Interesting, um, interesting problem for computer science. Uh, I was, I think, right about that. At least, you know, for my tastes, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't anticipate how hard it was,
1: and nobody did. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, right? It's, a, it's, yeah, it's generally hard to a, a problem. Of course, it, it may, at first glance, it might seem. Or on a spectrum of difficulty, but it's kind of hard to predict how long it would take to solve, right? Yeah. I feel like that's the case with a lot of uh, problems in computing, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what what is it about? Um, well, you said you were a math major, so right. from from being a math major, how did you end up uh, being a programmer?
0: Oh, well, it was the easiest. It was it was, uh, was seventy seven when I graduated, and there was a bit of a depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the easiest and obvious thing for a math major to do at the time was to go into computer programming. There, there were jobs. Mm-hmm.
1: And what did you do any programming at all while you were a student while you were studying uh, I math college? I took in college? I took one computer science class. What skills do you think? Um, I mean, as so when you started programming. That's probably where you kind of built up uh, the background to be able to, because then you, you pursued a PhD right. in computer science, mm-hmm. right? So so then that's where you the hands-on is is where you kind of built up the skills, sure, to be able to do that. In so, and that was you know, a few years ago, right? Yeah, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> I started graduate school in seventy nine. In seventy yeah. nine, and so while while you were um, Working as a programmer, what was programming like then?
0: Um, it was not that different from the way it is now. Uh, I was at my job. I was I was programming in Fortran, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know it's a fairly primitive language as languages go. But you know it, it is not it is not wildly different different to program in. Uh, Fortran than it is to program in Java or any other or or Python or any other language. Uh, what's really different about programming today as compared to um, programming uh, in 40 years ago uh, is just the just the wealth of libraries and existing code that you right. draw on. So, mm-hmm. you know what a what a programmer. Often has to do these days is to get hold of some existing code, you know, libraries, and so on, open source, and make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you know, all of the programming I did was programming from scratch, or you know, working on the the, the company's own code, which they had developed from scratch.
1: Okay. And there were no libraries, but right? those, there, those there, developed no, there, were, there were.
0: A few. There was, you yeah. know, um, uh, there was there were mathematical libraries that, that came with the Fortran, uh, and uh, there were some graphics, you know, elementary graphics packages. But you understand, graphics was an entirely different thing in right. 1977. Right. The monitors like this didn't become around; but didn't come common until mid-90s, perhaps. Mm. So, um, when I was programming in 77, the input was on punch cards, uh, and uh, I was doing graphics programming, and the graphics device was a lovely machine called the CalComp, which had three colored pens, green, red, and blue, and black, four colored pens, and it moved them around. On and then literally drew on a paper.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the screen. That that was, that, that was the uh, that was the uh, that the, was the graphics device. Yeah, it's the good, the good old days. So you said that you essentially chose to pursue programming for practical reasons at the time. That's mm-hmm. Who was yeah. hiring? That's right. So, what? Where did the transition occur when when you went from just Programming, because you either had to, or that was you know really the only option. To saying, hey, I, I need to you know I want to go to graduate school for this. Like, where, where did that transition come in? Well, you know, I was working
0: for a couple of years, and you know, I, the two obvious choices at the time were uh, either to go. If I was going to go to graduate school, it was either to go stay in math and do do a math PhD, or to go into computer science and the computer science uh looked more exciting to me at the time.
1: Where where did you encounter this this problem of representing common sense knowledge? Was that during your programming years when you were working or was this in graduate school?
0: Oh no, I came into graduate school thinking that that's what I wanted to do. Oh, learn okay, about. okay.
1: Yeah. Got it. Um if if any uh, young student uh, not that I'm old but younger than younger than me even um, 17 18 year olds, wants to follow in your footsteps, you know, pursue computer science or pursue uh, artificial intelligence in a way, what piece of advice might you give that student? Yeah, go for it, why not? (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: it's, it's an exciting field, Hmm. Uh, there's lots of problems one can work on,
1: Um, It's uh, very hireable at the moment, Any particular languages, that because if if you look at te, if you look at technology like tech startups, uh, that world, you know everyone uh, tends to go with Python or Ruby or they're using Java. Languages, or are, languages. are not worth worrying about.
0: Uh, you know, what's it?
1: What's a good starting point for a student who doesn't really have a background?
0: And uh, you know what we teach for our for our entering students is Python. Python. And then once you start the first course in the major sequences is we teach Java.
1: Java. Well, and what is, and this is just for, for my own interest. Sure. Uh, what is Java good for that Python might not be? Um, uh,
0: Python, actually, I haven't dealt with that much personally, so I don't know it that well. Mm. Um, uh, Python is very good for, It's um, f- Python is what's called a scripting language. Mm. So it's good for interacting with existing programs, uh, and it's good for rapidly getting things to work. Uh, Java, To get things to work in Java is, you know, takes substantially more time. Um, It's, uh, my guess is, and if you, I I don't know, this is true of Java, I'm not sure to what extent it isn't true of Python, is that if you're dealing with a large software project, where um you know you have many people working on different components and you have to make sure that they interact properly uh then you're better off with java my guesses than with python
1: mm-hmm. and what language are you primarily i know you're also kind of working on developing a new language you right mm-hmm. no no not so at all what, i thought i thought that's kind of that's part of uh, your process for the, the ontology of matter that you were
0: altering? I'm developing a representation language, but that's a separate issue from the programming language. Oh, okay. So, um, for certain kinds of programs, I, I work in MATLAB if I have to do okay. mathematical calculations, particularly mm-hmm. if I have to do them quickly. Uh, and then for more substantial program, I will work in in some version of Lisp usually. Okay. All right.
1: Any last thoughts about uh, artificial intelligence and the way it's going, and if we if you actually think that we should be afraid, but earlier you said we shouldn't, do you want to come clean? well Dr. Davis thank you so much for chatting with me I really appreciate it well thanks very much it's
0: been very enjoyable
1: alright thank you
0: termination of current scientist the human episode stay breezy